very uh, brief passage this morning from uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, uh, just verses 37 to 39. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Every stage of family life uh, can bring great joy. I look back with fondness uh, to a table that was, was uh, pretty full of kids and a lot of time extra friends there as well. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, the, the noisy atmosphere. I remember that with fondness and uh, even with the occasional spills. It was, it was great uh, being together as a family with young children. Uh, right now, of course, Gail and I are empty nesters, with, and our kids are spread out over four states, and we get together monthly, still to find joy in our family unit. Uh, we get together actually a couple of times a month, and one of those meetings that we have is a book club where we, we talk together about, about a book, and we even have, uh, we have an English teacher, a lit teacher, to take us through that right now. We're reading Scarlet Letter, and it is a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's deeply enjoyable. It, it is a great group of people uh, for us. And I hope that you too can say that you love being with your family, that you are able to say it's a great group of people and you love it. And as wonderful as that all is, and kids, I am speaking to you in particular today, there will be crumbs for adults, believe me. <laughs> But I'm, but I'm speaking to you kids in particular in the first two points of the message today. And, and, and it, is, it is very important for you to love Jesus more than you love your family. Jonathan Edwards uh, preached a sermon on this text directly to his ch the children in his congregation almost 300 years ago. Uh, he even wrote on the top of his manuscript for the children of our congregation from this text. And I'm borrowing some of, some of his thoughts as we, as we look at this together of loving uh, Jesus more than we love our family. And my point is this, my theme is this, love Jesus more than anyone else because he is better than anything else. Love Jesus more than anything else because he is better, anyone else because he is better than anything else. And a very serious question as we begin is, do you actually love Jesus? It is easy to love our parents, isn't it? Most of the time. It's easy to love them. They, we can see them. We can touch them. We can feel their embrace. They care for us. They, they provide food and clothing. and they, they're, they're, they're a blessing to us that we can feel very in, in, intensely. I know that every family has its particular set of problems, but it's still your family, and you love them. Sometimes it is easy to love, and other times it's not so easy to love, but we always come back 
to loving our family, and yet we are called to love Jesus more. Whoever loves his father or mother um, more than me is not worthy of me, Jesus says. Now we might say, well, of course we know that we owe Jesus to trust him and to obey him. We owe that to him. After all, and listen to this sentence, God sent God into the world to die for your sins. That's amazing. That's glorious. No one else would be able to do that. No one else would want to do that. And God, in the person of the incarnate Christ, died for our sins. And we know, therefore, that we should love him. We should love Jesus more. We have in this church a, a tradition. It's called the Confessing Christ class where a pastor meets with, with young children and we, we go through what does it mean to trust Jesus, to have all of your faith in him, and, and then also to seek to live a life of obedience. And we pray, prepare those kids to, to make those commitments, standing up front and becoming then what we call communicant members of the church. Now, it is possible to go through that class and not love Jesus. That, that's what I did at age 12. <laughs> I went through that class elsewhere, obviously. I went through that class um, because there was a girl in the class that I liked. Come on. You see, you don't automatically love Jesus more if you grow up in a Christian family or if you go to a Christian church. You don't automatically love Jesus more. Maybe hell scares you and you trust him to help deliver you from that. But you don't really love him. He's giving you an escape which you appreciate. Maybe you're proud of obeying him pretty well and usually better than the people around you. Do you understand what I'm saying, kids? You're proud of the fact that you're doing a better job of obeying Christ than the people around you, but you can do that without loving him? Well, maybe it's a little more hopeful to, to look at Jesus and say this, that we love Jesus more because he first loved us. Now we're getting somewhere. We love Jesus more because he first loved us. God chooses us, not because we're great, not because we're smart, not because we're wise enough to choose him, but because he is compassionate to save sinners. About 20 years or so ago, I was, I was involved in planting a church in southern Maryland, and, um, and I preached on Deuteronomy 7, and Deuteronomy 7 says this, God, God loves you because he loves you. God is compassionate to you who are weak and, and fewest and all of that because he loves you. And one of the kids in that class, uh, in, that, in that church, um, made me this little bookmark that says, God loves you because he loves you. And I still have it in my book when I'm reading. I happened to see a sister of hers at uh, Liz Caldwell's wedding uh, last year, which was really great to see them again. But, but kids, this is it, man. This is it. God loves you because he loves you. And, and remember... We remember that, we see that, even when we're praying, we're beginning, it's beginning to sink in that we can talk to God because God has first talked to us. 
And we are responding to our Father through the Holy Spirit. Remember what we've been talking about these days, these past few weeks, about uh, about, uh, um, how Jesus describes his own heart. And we sang it again today. How Jesus describes his own heart from Matthew 11, that he is gentle and lowly of heart. And his gentleness, listen to this, makes him beautiful. It, It is his gentleness that draws us to him to be taken by his beauty. His tenderness and his meekness attracts us to him. We love him because he has a a beautiful, beautiful heart. Now that word beauty can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, but one way of looking looking at that, it is something that gives you pleasure because it is excellent. That which is beautiful gives you pleasure because it is excellent. A a second, an upper deck home run is beautiful. It is excellent and so much better than a a routine ground out to second base. There's There's a beauty to that in my mind. There is a beauty in, that our mind perceives when we read a novel that has an elegant plot line. And we're captivated by that. It is beautiful. People can be beautiful too when we pe- perceive their excellencies. My mother, I remember reading, I remember my mother reading me a story about a little Russian boy who, who got separated from his mother. And he went around and he said, he said, help me find my mother. Well, what is she like? Well, she is the most beautiful woman in Russia. And so they are looking for this woman. And finally they found they find this this a mother um, who is, how shall I say, kind of dumpy, um, a plain, a plainly dressed and, and a plain woman. Uh, she and yet and yet he identifies her as the most beautiful woman in Russia because of her heart. It is beautiful. Um, it is generous, it is welcoming. So how Do we come to love Jesus more? That's the question we want to look at. How do we come to love Jesus truly and to love Jesus more? It is his beauty that draws us near. It is not his threats that draw us to his heart. It is his beauty that draws us near. You love Jesus more because he has a beautiful heart. You love Jesus more because of what he's like. Look at this in three ways. You love Jesus more because he loves and welcomes kids. He enjoys kids. Kids, you love Jesus more because he enjoys you and welcomes you and loves you. Great, great picture. Great picture in the Gospels of people that are crowding around Jesus and his disciples are are forming a, a human fence to keep people away from Jesus. Uh, because they are convinced that in Jesus' minds, uh, adults are more, grown-ups are more valuable than children are. And Jesus becomes indignant. Indignant. And that word means that, that he is very upset about something that is unjust. Indignant. Upset about something that is wrong, that is unjust, that is unfair. And, and Jesus brought the children to him and he put his hands on them. 
And he said to his disciples, as he would say to us as church leaders and as parents, you aren't better than these kids. In fact, you need to be like them. How's that for humble? They ask for what they need. They're not embarrassed to be needy. They're not embarrassed to come to Jesus and say, I need help. Be like them. Jesus, Jesus welcomes children. I, and I might say, Jesus also likes kids. Do you hear the difference? He likes them. We're, we're used to saying he loves us and looks over our flaws, but can we also say he likes children and us, but he likes children because they are God's workmanship, poema, workmanship, masterpiece, work of art. God, is having, has, God has them in a process that is beautiful and that is going to be productive for his kingdom. He likes what he's making. Kids, Jesus loves you and likes you even when you don't like yourself. In a moment, we'll be passing the elements for the Lord's Supper, and one of the things we say is, this is my body broken for you, this is my blood shed for you. But kids, this, for, for the younger ones among you, this, this, these plates are going to go right past you. And you could think, therefore, that he is uh, not interested in you. Yes, it is true that you need to wait before you profess your faith publicly and can receive the element, but you can still have Jesus. You can still have Jesus right now. Because he loves you first. He loves you first. I've said a few times during our communion services that, that kids, you can picture, as that plate is going by you, you can picture Jesus himself. And I sometimes think this is silly, this is irreverent, this is inappropriate, and you might even, you big people might even think I'm kind of stupid for saying it. I'm serious, that's what I think sometimes. But, but this is what I've said a few times, that imagine kids, while you're passing the body and blood in front of you, Imagine Jesus walking there and just tousling your hair and just saying, I like you, I love you, I enjoy you too, even though you're not receiving the elements. Kids, imagine that. Imagine that. Jesus, Jesus likes you and loves you. He welcomes you. Well, we also love Jesus more because he is merciful and kind. We love Jesus more because he is merciful and kind. What, kids, what does Jesus feel about you when you are, um, when you've sinned, when you've done something wrong? What does he feel about you? You, you might expect him to sort of, there be a picture of him standing back with his arms crossed and kind of looking at you and saying, really? Again? How could you do that? After all I've done for you, how could you do that to me? You might have that in your, in your mind. And sometimes parents even talk that way, kind of threaten their kids with, after what he's done for you, look, that, is not, that is not an effective way to get to your kids' hearts. Jonathan Edwards puts it this way. Listen to this. He receives you, he receives you with open arms as you admit your sins to him. He is ready forever to forget all your sins as if they'd never been. Ready to forget your sins as if they had never even happened. 
you may have a hard time forgetting your past sins, and I may have a hard time forgetting my past sins, but Jesus doesn't. He never stews over you. He never overreacts to you. He never lashes out at you. Kids, allow the beautiful heart of Christ to draw you close. Well, Jesus loves you more, or, or, or loves Jesus more because he's generous. Love Jesus more. How do we, how do we, how do we go from, from trusting in him as our Savior and trying to be obedient and kind of blowing it a lot of times and kind of feeling bad about that, but just sort of, just sort of traveling in that path? Well, we remember the merciful, kindness, kind Christ that we have, and we remember that he is generous. Love Jesus more because he's generous. Now, we know that Jesus is great, we got that. To be a creator, and through his word, all things came into being. And I am, I am stunned when I look up in a South Jersey sky, and I see with, with pollution-free air, just see the multitude of stars, remembering something of how far away they are, remembering something about how, how our, our galaxy is just crammed with, with, with millions of stars. He is great. Seeing his greatness is not your deepest need, but seeing his goodness. He doesn't give you whatever you want. He doesn't give you whatever you want. That would be bad for you. Kids sometimes... Sometimes what you might think would be the best thing in the world would be to have a bag of, of um, sour cream and onion chips and, uh, and, and a six-pack of Dr. Pepper and just go at it with no mother to tell you to stop. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be so cool? You'd be, you'd be sick. If you do what you want, you'll get sick. If you do what you want, you get sick. But he withholds nothing good from us. All of his, it, he is good all the way down. Um, that his rules are good, his laws are good, they're good for you. We can imagine, we can imagine um, a, a, a child uh, living near, um, near a busy road and, and uh, the parents put up a fence uh, and, and yet, uh, well, before they put up the fence, then, and then there's just this busy road. You've got, you can imagine, uh, you can imagine um, the parents saying, you know, watch out, you know, don't, don't go out on the street. There's, there's, there's uh, traffic there that can hurt you. And, and you might just want to toss your head and say, I'll do whatever I want. And then you run into the street and mom yells out, watch out, a car's coming. And you recognize that, that, that she's, her limits demonstrate her love. Her limits demonstrate her love. Now, maybe now, or soon, but certainly later, kids, you will be tempted to do things that God wants you to save till marriage. 
you will be tempted to be physically closer to a boy or a girl uh, than you should be before, before you marry. And yet God gives a gift of marriage. Two people becoming one body. Scripture teaches that two becoming one body. And so it is a good thing um, to give yourself to another person, body and soul, for life. That is a very good thing. God is so generous to bless us with that. And yet we cheapen and distort the gift when we open it too early. When you hear tempting voices, remember God is generous. He is good and he is generous and that is reason to love him. To love him. He's merciful and kind. That's a reason to love him. He loves and welcomes sinners. A reason to love him. Well, parents, I want to, I want to talk for a few minutes uh, to you. Um, how do you show the beauty of Christ? How do you show the beauty of Christ? How do you in a sense, make Jesus irresistible. We, we, and I'm taking for granted that we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who plants faith and gives a new heart. But nonetheless, we can make Jesus irresistible as we're used by the Spirit to do so. Um, how, do you, how do you impress a child, or anyone, how do you impress a child about, uh, about the grandeur of the Grand, Coma- uh, the Grand Canyon? You can talk about the fact that it's 277 miles long from here to Syracuse. I mean, that's an amazing piece of, of real estate. You can, you, can, you can say how deep it is. It's from 6,000 to 8,000 feet deep, depending on where you are. And the land mass there of the Grand Canyon is larger than Rhode Island. All of these things are true and amazing. But if you want them to get a glimpse to see the grandeur of the Grand Canyon, you need to take them there. And you need to sit them down on that rim. And you need to unplug their ears so that they can concentrate on what they're seeing and and drink it in. Drink in the majesty of it. So how do we make Jesus irresistible? We don't just talk about him, although that's good. We don't just catechize them, although that's very good. We show them Jesus. Following him costs you something, but it gives you something too. Look, look at verse 39. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever finds his life, rather, will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. So you want to you lead your children in losing your life so that you can find it in Jesus. All right? Three things I want you to be thinking about. Let Jesus rearrange your schedule. Let Jesus rearrange your schedule. And this starts, of course, with spending time with him. It, it starts with recognizing the truth of John 15, verse 5, that, uh, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And, and that's, a, that's what we want. We want to abide in Jesus and bear fruit. So let the first thing you need to do is, is let Jesus rearrange your schedule. Make time for Jesus because he's worth it and you love him. And your kids notice when you, 
when you have in your lifestyle sort of a checklist of your, of your Christian duties, they can spot the difference between checklist Christianity and, and a relationship with Jesus that is based on love. Uh, our second daughter uh, lived for quite a while uh, in the bedroom right below where my wife sat and did her Bible reading uh, each morning. She would get up pretty early and, um, and, and spend an hour, hour and a half or so there in her chair. And our second daughter, Jackie, woke up every single day for a period of a couple of years by hearing, by hearing, that's not, the rhythmic thumping of our dog's tail on the floor as, as he sat right next to Gail as she was reading her Bible. She grew up with that rhythmic thumping. And she was not, as far as I know, irritated by it, but this is what she thought. She thought, Mom is spending time with Jesus. Mom is loving Jesus morning after morning after morning. Gail made room for Jesus in her schedule. Is it her duty? Of course it's her duty. But it's a duty of love. More important than Facebook, more important than a news feed, more important than the sports scores, more important than your checkbook. Church isn't for just when you're convenient and you're not busy with other things. You come here, you come to worship. When these doors open, you come to worship because you love Jesus more than your things. It's, a, it's really pretty simple. You love Jesus more. Well, what if you don't see his beauty? What if, what if you as a parent, you just don't see his beauty? Start, start with confession. And say, Lord, I know my heart is cold. I know my attention gravitates to things in this world that I, that I love more than you. I know that. And I confess that to you. Purify my heart so that I find delight in you. Start there. It's a great place. Great place. The second thing is practice costly obedience. Practice costly obedience. A guy who discipled, uh, actually Tom and me both, a guy who discipled us 30 years ago used to say this, probing our hearts. Have you ever done anything just because you love Jesus. Have you ever stopped doing something just because you love Jesus? Let me sharpen this up for you. Just be thinking about this. What are you saying that you shouldn't be? What comes out of your mouth that you need to take responsibility for? Oftentimes it's it's chatter between, between husband and wife or between you and other children, or if you're a teacher, between you and your students. What are you saying that you shouldn't be? Are they put-downs? Do you have disrespect for your, for your mate? Are you a controlling person? What are you saying that you shouldn't be saying? Second, what, what, are, what are you not saying that you should be? Maybe, you're, maybe your way of dealing with conflict is simply avoiding problems instead of dealing with them. 
And so the air is just full of unsettled issues. And it's like walking into, I don't know, the plant, and it's radioactive. You know, it's just the air is just brittle. Not confessing your sins, not forgiving one another. What, have, what are you doing? What are you saying that you shouldn't be? What are you not saying that you should be? That's between you and the Holy Spirit. You need to deal with that. The third thing is this. Lead them in the joy of repentance. Whoa! Joy of repentance? Doesn't sound joyful, does it? But, but you, your kids need, uh, do not need perfect parents. They need repenting parents. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, repentance is unlearning all the self-conceit and self-will that we have been training ourselves into. It means killing part of yourself, undergoing a kind of death. Now, again, that doesn't sound really exciting, does it? Doesn't sound very joyful. But the way the way that the Lord Jesus, the way the kingdom works, is that is that we die to sin and then we come to resurrection life, in our united to Christ and by the power of the Spirit. We die to sin and we raise to joyful new life. So it feels like death, but it's actually life giving. Remember, a few weeks ago we talked about Jesus, our Advocate. And, and we can think, just for a reminder, something to kind of work on here. As you, as you want, your goal is to make Jesus uh, attractive. Show your kids uh, Jesus' heart. So we think of Jesus as our advocate. Def- so when we defend ourselves, when we are corrected and we defend ourselves or we explain ourselves or we make excuses about what we've done, which is so easy and so natural, we almost don't even think of it as sin. I'm just... I'm just kind of protecting myself here a little bit. Do you you follow what I'm saying? And if we self-advocate, what we are really saying is that Jesus is of no value to us. He is not beautiful to us. I'd rather self-advocate than trust in him. And so that's one way that we belittle Christ. We bypassing humble and honest repentance. And your kids will follow you in being self-satisfied or they will follow you in being satisfied in Jesus. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, man, I've messed up pretty bad. I don't know what to do with all this right now. Try repenting, honestly. One at a time. When the Lord, when the Spirit brings something to mind that you really need to, you really need to take honest ownership for, Repent to him and repent to anyone that your sin has affected. It's 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 gonna feel like it's it's gonna feel like it's gonna kill you to do that. But you get you get used to dying and you get used to living that way. And it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Lose your life for Jesus and you will you will find it. So do you children, kids, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? If you've never thought of that before, you come to him today. 
Admit that you're a sinner and you need grace and you're, you're counting on his mercy so that you can start forgetting your sins. <laughs> and, and, and all of us, um, do you love Jesus more? Are you growing in more and more love for him? Let's pray together. Our Lord, um, we are very, we are very thankful that um, we can meet you, Jesus, today because you are loving and welcoming, and that you are merciful and you are uh, kind, and you are also generous. And we need that generosity. We need that mercy just now. Lord, we we pray that we would display the beauty of Jesus to the people around us. We pray that as if we are teachers or disciplers, either in the church or, or elsewhere, that we would give our children, the children we work with, um, a glimpse of Jesus. Parents would give the children they have a glimpse of Jesus. His beauty. His beauty. Holy Spirit, um, help us each step of the way uh, to be humble repenting and delighting in Jesus all the way through. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.